0: One, two, three, four. I wanted it to be everything that that Victoria's Secret wasn't. Um, I wanted, like, I wanted stretch marks and cellulite and, like, body hair and just, I wanted the real thing. You know, I didn't want to, like, Photoshop that out and create this, like, fake image of what a body is or should be. I feel like women have just been, you know, terrorized by this for, for way too long as it is. And so I think it's like, it's really cool to see, to be able to do that, but to also see other brands just being super real and inclusive with their marketing.
1: I'm here with the lovely Alexa Suter. She's the founder and CEO of Hooha Underwear. I love Alexa's entrepreneurial journey. She noticed and felt like something was missing in the undergarment industry for women, so she sees that opportunity and from there built a movement to uplift and empower women. Hooha is a line of anti-bacteria, anti-odor underwear. And it actually started on Kickstarter last October and it's just boomed ever since. And it's more than just a comfortable product. Alexa's position Hooha is a brand that sparks conversations. In addition to their highly Inclusive marketing images. The brand uses fruit as analogy to sizes, a topic that Alexa realized was uncomfortable for many women to talk about. So Alexa, I read that you went to Kwantlen Polytechnic University for an English degree, and then you moved to Budapest to work on writing and travel. So why did you decide to move to Europe and kind of what was your college experience like? Yeah, that's a great question.
0: I had kind of a... A journey of many pivots um, starting in university. I actually entered university out of high school and I thought, okay, I was, I was really interested in like the legal field. So I decided I would get a legal admin certificate, which I, you know, passed with flying colors. I did not find it challenging. I kind of graduated top of my class there, but because I did not find it challenging, I was kind of like, okay, I think I need to push a little bit harder and challenge myself a little bit more And I'd always loved writing, so for me, the the most obvious thing to do next was to kind of parlay all of what I had already taken in university into a bachelor of arts, you know, majoring in English, um, which I did. And I got to about my third year, and again, I just kind of started feeling that lull of like I'm not being challenged enough. You know, I'm not really interested. I don't really know if this is even the right path to kind of deliver me to a place in life that I'm really going to enjoy and so it was kind of a crazy journey but I I ended up dropping out at that point and I I actually got my real estate license so I started selling real estate at 21 and it was a huge eye-opener because I was suddenly out there in the world like you know in this workforce all on my own you know I would get mentorship from Um, usually older male uh, realtors who would give me their open houses to do on the weekends. And I was working like every single day of the week and it was really challenging and I wasn't selling a thing for like a really long time. Um, But then I I finally kind of broke through and I started having some success there. And um, it actually wasn't until I kind of had some success in that field that I realized that I wasn't actually super happy. Um, And I think that's something that can really, that can happen. And it's a trend that I think happens in our lives where we're pushing and we're pushing and we're pushing towards this desire that we have. And we think along the way, well, I'm not happy yet because I haven't reached success yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And often what can happen is that once you do reach that success, you realize, oh, well, you know, all of my discomfort and you know, unhappiness throughout the process was actually merited because now that I have the success, it's still not making me happy. You know, it's still not fulfilling me. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened with me there. Um, and that's where kind of the big pivot came and I decided, you know, I was going to stop chasing these desires that I'd kind of unconsciously picked up or I'd been told, you know, was the right thing to do. And instead just kind of go on this journey of really just pursuing my creative endeavors and, that's kind of what led me to Budapest. I ended up getting a freelance writing gig and I started building clients and I was kind of riding that wave like in 2000, you 2013, know, 14 of like blogging and Instagram and photography and sharing that online. And so I kind of took that with me and uh, went and traveled around Europe for a bit. And that was um, pretty life-changing.
1: Wow. Very cool. That's actually kind of funny because I, for a while, thought I wanted to go to real estate as well. So I was hoping to go in, into that. And then I did some interns or internships for some realtors. And I realized that's not for me. And then um, actually earlier this year, I thought I wanted to go into law. So I did my mm-hmm. whole LSAT, applied. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, I don't want to do law school at home. And then I realized it was kind of the best decision ever. Because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be these specific careers. And like, we're told that if you're a doctor, yeah. lawyer, realtor, whatever, you'll be successful, you'll be happy. But that's It wasn't like that for me at all. So that's funny that you went through that too.
0: Well, that's brilliant of you for doing like an internship and actually getting some hands-on experience. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is really smart and it's not something that a lot of people do. You know, a lot of the times we're just like we just kind of believe this vision we have or this, you know, this idea of what a career will be like. And it's actually really important to kind of dig a little deeper and get Mm -hmm. some firsthand experience even if that means like just speaking to someone who's in the industry and just seeking exactly. some mentorship, right? Yeah.
1: That's really
0: that's really cool.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering you started Studio Media in 2016, so a few years after you were in Budapest. So why did you decide to start an agency and how did you build up your clients? You said you had a f- yeah. like some in Budapest, but how did you transfer that back to Canada?
0: Yeah. So what ended up happening was I actually wasn't planning on leaving Europe at all. Um, and then the one main gig that I had that was paying the majority of the bills, it fell through because the business went, it went out of business. So I knew that finances were a big factor for me. Um, And I just, I was like, I could try to like, you know, stay here and like hustle and try to find more clients, but it's kind of hard to do that remotely, especially at that time. It just wasn't as common then. So I decided to come back to Vancouver. And when I came back to Vancouver, you know, I had built up, number of skills. I had like a personal blog and an Instagram attached to it that had, I think like 10 or 14,000 followers or something. So at that point, like brands were approaching me and they were, they were pretty impressed by this following that I had, because I think at that time it was less, it was much less common and brands really hadn't figured out how to nail it yet. Mm -hmm. So it was just something that honestly was super organic and just kind of built itself over a number of months when I returned back to Vancouver and kind of before I knew it, I had a pretty big roster of clients that I could no longer really manage on my own. And I was kind of forced into <laughs> making it official, giving it a name, you know, incorporating and all of those fun things.
1: Yeah. Awesome. So how many people do you have working for you now? And then do they also help you with who or Is that just yourself?
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're pretty combined mm-hmm. at this point, Studio Media and Hoo Ha. So there's three of us in house today. And uh, then there's a number of kind of outsourced, either agencies or,
1: mm-hmm. um, or contract, like independent contractors that we work with as well. Nice. So what was your call to action in creating Hoo-Ha? When did like Mm -hmm. this vision come about and why did you decide to pursue it? I think it was something that really happened like over a number of
0: years. And um, I really like to make the distinction when I'm talking about the founder story between like, you know, there's one way that I could tell this story that sort of wraps it up in a nice clean bow. Um, And then there's the more of the reality story, which is much longer and kind of Mm -hmm. happens over a period of years And I feel like that story is um, more important to tell because um, I think all we ever hear is like the really wrapped up, pretty story of how things started. And it kind of, I know that for me when I was young and I was kind of looking for inspiration, it was like, I can't really see myself in that. Like, that's not how I experience life. You know, that's not, Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem like my reality. So, you know, I like to just preface that. And so it kind of happened, like it probably started in about 2016 because I had had um, back to back UTI infections, like throughout this, this year, in 2016. And I was, of course, I was still traveling a lot. And I was just kind of unable to like seek medical attention a lot of the time, because I like wasn't in Canada. Um, So I kind of took it upon myself. And I like tried to figure out what, you know, could possibly be causing it, I looked at like the, the um, underwear I was wearing, of course, I looked at, the sort of like detergents I was using, what I was eating, kind of like my activity levels. And I started to notice, you know, after like journaling it out and kind of tracking it, that synthetic underwears were making my symptoms just a lot worse. Of course, I couldn't say that it was the cause, but I knew that it was a factor in my comfort. So that was kind of the first experience that I had where I noticed something was wrong with underwear And then of course, you know, there were just things that I'd always kind of hated about my underwear, the way it was designed, the way it looked, you know, the pretty bows and the frills and all of that. And I just didn't really, it didn't really vibe with me. And then it wasn't until two years later or so that I kind of started looking at starting a product business again, um, because I had started one before, which failed back in 2015. And I wanted to kind of get my hands wet again in the product business. So I was actually deliberately kind of looking at where is there white space on, in the market? Like, what could I improve upon? I even had an idea to do like sustainable packaging for brands because I noticed that, you know, a lot of these brands were still e- using plastics and styrofoams and things were th- that were not sustainable. But underwear was a big one and I, it just kept coming back to me. And, I, you know, I started talking to my friends about it and I started researching it. And the more that I researched it, the more that I realized, you know, what a white space there really was in women's underwear and kind of where other big brands that I will not name have kind of done us wrong as uh, as women with, with underwear kind of to date. Wow.
1: Well, yeah. And I've, I don't know if the listeners have ever experienced UTIs, but I've had UTIs as well. Extremely, extremely painful, um, yeah. as you know, but awesome. uh, no, not fun at all. And like, as you said, it's kind of, it's difficult to, to go to a doctor and find a solution Um, Mm -hmm. for something very specific like UTIs and the realm of uh, women's reproduction it's kind of taboo and and underfunded so yeah what are you hoping who changes in the market as the under for underwear that promotes vaginal health and yeah yeah so what are you hoping it promotes and are you using it as like a solution or what are like kind of as well like the scientific Well, yeah, like,
0: like you said, you know, women's studies are so underfunded. And Mm -hmm. that includes, you know, fertility, that includes like infection, that includes lifestyle factors. Um, But we all kind of know that when we go to our like doctor or gynecologist with an issue, they tell us to wear cotton. Um, And that's sort of like the standard that they learned, you know, throughout their their schooling. And, um, the reason for that is, is the breathability is really important because when fabrics don't breathe, they trap like heat and moisture against the body. Um, and that just creates like the perfect breeding ground for bacteria to grow. Um, so things like E. coli that lead to UTI or candida that could lead to yeast infections. You know, it's just one factor. We're not a medical product and I always have to kind of preface it as that. Mm And we don't suggest that our products will be a cure for any of these things, but it is just one like sort of wellness lifestyle factor to be aware of as a woman. And it's just one thing that's like really easy to cross off your list is just like stop wearing, you know, synthetic underwear that are made of like Mm -hmm. nylon or polyester, which Unfortunately, the majority of them are. And I think, you know, that, so that's kind of like the main goal, but like I, I would love to sort of lead this conversation and, you know, help drive the research behind it because there is such a lacking and it's, it's a little bit challenging right now for us, you know, being less than a year old to start looking at the costs of undergoing, you know, our own clinical trials and things of that nature. But that's probably the ultimate goal, you know, over like a five-year period is to really get involved in in funding some of these these studies that can help kind of drive the conversation and just help businesses make better decisions you know with the products that they're creating for women's intimates
1: Mm -hmm. and it seems like the business has just grown so much like all over instagram and you guys have so many reviews on your website like women are really enjoying the product um did you ever expect this when you first launched on kickstarter or what were you expecting when you first launched this product
0: yeah. It was kind of funny because I, I would have moments kind of leading up to it where I'd be like, this is going to be huge. And I would know like in my like intuitive realm, that like, mm-hmm. this is going to be really huge. Like people, people need this. People want this. This is a unique idea. You know, nobody's mm-hmm. doing it, but those were small moments. You know, there was a lot of doubt. There was a lot of challenge. And ultimately I, I had the experience behind me of like, launching something and seeing it fail almost immediately so I knew Mm -hmm. that with a product like it's it's there's a lot of different very like factors that go into the success and a lot of them kind of are out of your control to a degree so I really didn't know what to expect and that was kind of the whole goal of the kickstarter was like hey if we can do this kickstarter and pull it off and we get you know we get funded and we get some good feedback. That will be the product validation that we need to then go and make that investment into launching the business and going through production.
1: And I imagine it's quite the process to create fibers enhanced with zinc. So what was your creating and designing process and where is your manufacturing? Is it in Vancouver? Is it, where is it? Yeah.
0: So luckily, we did not have to, you know, create this fabric on our own. It was a patent Mm -hmm. that already existed. But Mm -hmm. we worked with a mill um, in Taiwan to create a custom blend of this zinc-infused fabric that's suitable for our garments. Um, So that was a big process because... You know, a lot of the times when you're doing these really custom things with fabrics, you can't just be like, hey, send me, you know, five yards of like sample yardage so I can make some samples. And they can't send it to you because it doesn't exist. So they actually have to like make it custom for you, which involves some MOQs and involves some initial investment. Um, So there was some risk taking on our part for sure initially. And we had to kind of just like sample in like the closest that we could find to what it would actually be. And luckily that, that all worked out, but it was quite the process. Um, I'm, I'm really glad looking back that I, I didn't really know what a long process it would be getting into it because, um, (laughs) that would have been daunting up front. Yeah. It's, um, it's been a really interesting process for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And the success of Uha isn't just obviously the underwear, but also the marketing, the branding of it. Obviously, you're an expert in it. Um, it feels very inclusive, um, like a very like organic feel to it. So, what was your initial vision of the branding and marketing? Like, what was on your like mood board?
0: You know, I I really wanted as like the rebel in me really wanted to oppose this whole like Victoria's Secret supermodel idea. <laughs> and we actually kind of poked fun at that in the Kickstarter video, but I wanted it to be everything that that Victoria's Secret wasn't. Um I wanted like I wanted stretch marks and cellulite and like body hair and just I wanted the real thing. You know, I didn't want to like photoshop that out and create this like fake image of what a body is or should be. I feel like women have just been you know, terrorized by this for, for way too long as it is. And so I think it's like, it's really cool to see, to be able to do that, but to also see other brands just being super real and inclusive with their marketing. And you know what? It's at the end of the day, like it's so much more fun too. It's like, I would hate to sit there and have to like Photoshop every single image, like and make it look perfect. Like, I just think it, that it's beautiful kind of the way it is.
1: Yeah, no, I agree as well. Um, and I'm wondering what has been the most, like difficult aspects of running a business during COVID. Um, any f- failures or mistakes that you made with Whoha specifically, and like what would you recommend um, to someone else starting a business during COVID?
0: Starting a business during COVID. I mean, I think it depends whether you're in like services or, or product. For the product side, I would say like a hundred percent account for like an additional two, maybe three months in like your lead times just to be safe um, because global shipping right now is absolutely insane. Um, And what can happen if you don't like plant that into the picture and foresee that is then you can be forced to sort of like express ship because putting it on a, you know, a boat from overseas is going to take way too long, um, which is a a mistake that I kind of made. Um, but I think a lot of product business owners are sort of in that, in that same boat, so to speak. And just, it's, it's just nuts out there with, with shipping and supply chain, everything is really, really backed up. So just kind of planning that into the picture is pretty important. Um, and then on the service side of things, I mean, when COVID hit and we kind of walked down in March, we initially lost, uh, a couple clients on the studio media side and it was this really kind of like strange process because we were like well we know that we need more business and like this could be really bad for studio media because usually what happens is you know the first budget to get cut is marketing Um, so a lot of marketing agencies were suffering but at the same time we wanted to be sensitive to the climate that we were in and we, we were like I just don't feel right about sliding into people's dms or like emailing people you know looking for business so instead we try to just put more focus on the clients that we have and just like try to nurture them through that process you know a lot of them are restaurants as well and of course restaurants have been hit really hard so that has been really challenging i mean If you're starting a a service business now, I think funny, there's probably like a lot of opportunity that maybe didn't exist before. So maybe just seeing kind of like how you can creatively support these businesses kind of through this time that's like very scary and uh, maybe provide um, a solution that's less expensive or more convenient or, you know, there's like a lot of like creative things now that are up and coming like TikTok marketing or, you know, a lot of businesses don't know how to do Instagram reels. So there's always these like little niche things that um, I think young like entrepreneurs who are kind of tapped into that, that social media world can kind of drive a lot of value.
1: That's great advice. Um, And I'm wondering what's your day-to-day like now? I saw that in a video that Hoo-Ha reached six figures in six months. That's crazy. You must be so busy trying to run both businesses. So like, what's your (laughs) day-to-day like? My
0: day-to-day is is always kind of different. And I always like to preface that by saying like, I don't, I like to give myself a lot of freedom. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't really like the idea of like a strict routine or like a strict, like nine to five or like 40 hour, 60 hour, like 80 hour work week or whatever it might be. I'm not that disciplined of a person. And I find where I shine is like freedom and creativity. And so like, first and foremost, just like giving those, those things to myself and allowing myself to like, Hey, if like I'm having a bad day and I'm not feeling creative, I'm just going to like go for a walk in the city or I'm going to go like go to Nordstrom and like check out some other lingerie that people are doing or something. But with that being said, I I mean, I do spend a lot of time in the office um, doing different things. I mean, right now, it's kind of always changing every couple months. But right now, I'm really focused on operations and planning out the next, like, two, three years of projections and going through our sales data and, like, trying to figure out what we're going to be ordering and how we're going to, like, launch new styles. Uh, Developing new styles has been really challenging um, and, and kind of, like, a long process. So, it's it's just taken me a bit of like a mental, mental mentality shift from coming from service into more of a product business now, and trying to really foresee all of those like sales and inventory, and there it's just a totally different beast.
1: Yeah. So where do you see HUHA in the next like five, next five years? Do you hope to bring into more stores? Do you want to s- stick to online orders only? So yeah. What's your plan? Yeah.
0: Um. I think I I really like. Being like having the direct touch point to the customer, I think it's really important because you get so much amazing feedback um, through the the reviews, but also just through people like emailing me. Like it's it's pretty great how many customers will just email me and be like they'll either give like a great you know review and they'll tell me how their their underwear has changed their life, or they'll they'll tell me like hey it's really great, but here's how you could improve. And so I think as a young brand, it's really important to have that feedback. But at the same point, at the same time, I really like working with other businesses. And so we're in a few small boutiques that are female run. And it's really, it's really fun to like be able to kind of work together and, you know, help promote their business as well. So I definitely foresee continuing to do a little bit of, you know, wholesaling through smaller stockists. I don't necessarily foresee who being in like a Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really sure that that is the right thing for the business. I think because we're small and like we're self-funded, it's it's important for us to be able to like do smaller runs and kind of like have a sort of growth trajectory that's sustainable. Um, and going into like a big retailer, of course you always have that risk of them being like, okay, we want to order like a hundred thousand units and if you can't fulfill that, then that's kind of a big issue. But on the product side, you know, definitely expanding into like everything. If you can think like everything first layer basics, like that's probably where WhoHa will be in the next five years.
1: Very cool. I'm excited to see that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And what's, what's been like a pinch me moment for you or like a moment that you've been really proud of, whether that's like a really good review or some friends telling you how much they like it. So what's been like a really proud moment that you've had launching this business?
0: Um, the review, the amazing reviews have been really humbling. (laughs) I didn't expect that. I think I'm the type of person that I'm like, I'm always underestimating success and like over catastrophizing like potential problems. That's just the way my brain works, which of course has its like benefits, but also, its challenges, so yeah, having those initial like just getting that initial positive feedback was really cool, but I think the biggest moment was last month, which was our our first uh, six figure month and it was i mean it 's just a number on a screen, and you're like you kind of forget what it means after a while, and I just had to like take a step back and be like, "Wow, like and just really have a moment of gratitude for that because." Mm-hmm yeah I I did not expect it it happened a lot sooner than I ever anticipated um and I'm super grateful for that because that's just like it's such an ode to sort of taking risks and um doing what you love in life and like just following your passion and you know knowing that like that's the most important thing that's gonna kind of carry you through and and help you to like work really hard and just stay tapped into like what the
1: market is saying Mm -hmm. and do you have any idea how many pairs of undies that you've sold or how many countries (laughs) you've reached do you have any idea we're on to like around
0: 4,000 orders. So, and there's uh, the average order has like four pairs of underwear, I believe last time I checked. So, or a 16,000 ish plus the Kickstarter. So probably close to 20,000.
1: Yeah. Do you ever feel that imposter syndrome being like, I kind of made it or like, do you, what do you think about that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Imposter syndrome for sure. But I've kind of at
0: this point just accepted that that's the way it is, (laughs) I think probably everyone maybe feels a little bit of that. And especially Mm -hmm. somebody who's like maybe a college dropout like me might feel a little bit more of that. But I mean, nobody, what I've realized is like, nobody else will look at you or me and be like, oh, she's an imposter. She doesn't belong here. It's just it's just what's going on inside your own head. So exactly. um, it's kind of like, you just have to like give yourself a break and be like, nobody is thinking that. Like,
1: <laughs> let it go, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's tough though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a final question for you. Um, what impact do you hope to have on other women who lead? Whether it's like someone that doesn't know what they want to do, if they want to go to school or they want to start their own business or so like, what impact do you want to have on the next generation? I know that's like a loaded question, but Mm -hmm. like, yeah, what do you want other females to benefit from?
0: You know, I think that, um, the female culture in business right now, um, is, or can be seen as sort of lacking a little bit of, um, like peer to peer mentorship. And I think, you know, the guys I know, they just, they support each other so much and they really like help to kind of bring each other up. Um, And there's this camaraderie and this like brotherhood um, that is really amazing and it it benefits everyone. And I think that that's kind of what I want to create wherever I can, you know, with other women. It's like, how can I help you? Like, how can you help me? Because, you know, even if I were to sit down and grab a coffee coffee with someone who's graduating high graduating university and maybe doesn't know what they want to do, there's going to be so many things that they can offer me as well as I can offer them. So there's always so much to learn from one another. And I think just kind of fostering that like peer-to-peer mentorship is really cool uh, and really beneficial. I like literally just got off a Zoom call with an awesome gal who like has a, a business out of Vancouver and she she has a product line and we were able to just like exchange things back and forth. So yeah, I, I would say that.
1: Yeah. And where would you say, like, where can people find that mentorship? Like, how did you find that mentorship? Is it just through online or what did you do? You know
0: what? Sometimes it's just as easy as like just reaching out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just slide into someone's DMs that like you see that they're doing something cool and just ask like, hey, like, can we hop on a Zoom and like have a coffee together or, you know, under normal circumstances like meet in person and grab a coffee. I think Um, I've done that a lot and it's, you know, sometimes people won't respond or they'll say they're too busy, Um, but most of the time people are like more than happy to to get together or just chat over the phone or whatever it is and, and lend some advice because I think we all realize that like there's there's a lot that we could have done differently or a little little bit smarter if we had just reached
1: out and like asked someone who's already been through that process. Exactly, yeah. Well thank you so much for your time, Alexa. It was lovely chatting with you. If yeah. if you haven't heard of Hooha Underwear, I highly recommend checking them out. And you want to plug where everyone can find you and Puha and Studio Media.
0: Yeah, for sure. You can slide into my DMs anytime. <laughs> um, I'm at Alexa Suter. That's one T, uh, on Instagram. And then you can follow, um, hoo-ha at W E A R H U H A on Instagram as well. Um,
1: and studio media is at studio media Inc. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again. It's been really inspiring seeing your journey, how fast you've grown. You should be really proud of yourself. And I can't wait to see where the brand launches. literally the next year. (laughs) Your podcast
0: is awesome. I can't wait for it to come out. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs)